Welcome back to the Read the Bible podcast. Today we're going to be reading all of James chapter 3. Jesus' little brother says in James chapter 3 verse 1, starting verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. I remember when I was on an intramural basketball team, and we were playing basketball, and one of the opponents was trash-talking in this intramural basketball game, and uh, he was just hilarious, uh, and he goes, as he's you know trash-talking the whole game, he says, I pay $500 a month for my dorm room, but I live in your head for free. And the power of our words, it, he, he didn't really get to me as much as he thought he did in the game. He was more hilarious than anything. But the power of our words is really true. I mean, think about the things that people say to you and think about that. The things that people say to you that bother you, I mean, they just you just get them going around in your head and hit and over and over and they don't go away. And it's really true. Like some of these people, um, you know, their comments to us live on in our heads because what we say is so important. And so James is going to be talking about how hard it is to control our tongues, how we fail to do that in so many ways, how powerful our tongues are. And then because of that, uh, we should think twice about becoming teachers. I know um, every week I wish I could do better in preaching. Every time I'm in front of people, I wish I could uh, could have said this something, at least something differently and something better. Uh, one of the funny things is when I first started being a pastor at Cornerstone, um, I work so hard on my sermons and I, I go over them and I essentially memorize them, I internalize them, um, and then I practice uh, what I'm going to say beforehand and how I'm going to say it. Uh, because all of it's so important, not just the content, but the heart with which it's said. Um, and uh, I wish I had more time to do it and do it better, right? Because uh, it, it is just so important. Um, but there was a, a member here who, or a, a regular attender here of Cornerstone who came up and said, uh, I love that you just speak, you know, you just speak off the cuff, that you don't have, you know, prepared notes and that the Holy Spirit just speaks through you and all these things. And then he told this story about how he went to a church and it had two services and the pastor gave the same message at both services and how, you know, he felt that was uh, not following the Holy Spirit and all those things. And I just thought I'd squash that right there because I don't want to be deceptive to anybody. And so I said, actually, because, it, you know, the sermon is so important, because the teaching is so important, um, because reading the Word of God and explaining it is so important, I spent a ton of of time preparing. In fact, I manuscript it out. I internalize it. I practice it. And, you know, if we had two services, I would try to say, uh, you know, the same sermon with the same positive feeling and the same tone at every sermon, uh, because the Holy Spirit Spirit works Sunday afternoon when I start working on the next week's sermon until uh, Sunday morning. You know, when I get up to preach it as well. It's not just during the sermon. It's all throughout the week. Um, I take the teaching very seriously because of passages like this in James. And, uh, and so that person stopped coming to our church and started going somewhere else, um, which is fine. Uh, but yeah, it's so important to speak the word um, of God and, and do it well. Uh, and even with all the time I spend on it now, I just wish I could go over and do it better because there's so many times where um, something comes out and it didn't have God's heart or um, maybe I didn't make it clear and could have made it clearer. 
And so because of all that, we should, you know, be careful when we're teachers. Um, as a youth pastor, I just remember the first time I really experienced that, where my words carried a certain weight because of my authority. Um, of course, if you are a youth pastor, you certainly feel like you have none. Uh, but the kids, they really do. They feel like you've got authority. And uh, there was this one fella who was always self-deprecating, always making jokes about himself. And, uh, you know, for years, I encouraged him. We had this great relationship. I knew he had low self-esteem, and I encouraged him. And then one time, I made the same joke that he made about himself. I just kind of made it about him. And, you know, he did this thing. I said, oh, yeah, like like this part about yourself, you know, which is... Uh, which was a joke that he always said about himself. I'll, I won't give the details here. But I joked about the same thing that he always joked about himself with, and it just crushed him because, you know, I was his youth pastor. I was the one who was always supposed to be, you know, uplifting him and encouraging him and supporting him. And, you know, as a, when I stepped into a different role, and I thought I stepped into a different role, and more of his, like, buddy and making a joke with him, you know, uh, it was just crushing because even though I thought I stepped into a different role, I still occupy that role of teacher in his mind and that role of authority in his mind. And, uh, yeah, people really do care what you say. Um, you know, they care what pastors say. They care what youth pastors say. They care what their boss says. They care what their parents say. You know, all those positions of authority, people really do care. And so we should think about, you know, how we are speaking to those who we have um, we have that authority over or people who have just given that authority to us. Maybe there's people in our lives who, you know, they want to be around us, you know, just like we want to be around others. There's people who want to be around us. And how do we speak to them? How do we encourage them? How can we speak life into them? And so if you're like me, you can immediately remember all of the negative things that you've said and all the mistakes that you've made and all the things you wish you could have taken back. All the times you're laying in bed at night and you think, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. And James says, we all stumble in many ways. All of us have that experience. Uh, but it's more than just how we stumble. We have the great ability to guide our lives and the lives of others with our tongue also. We shouldn't be just thinking about not making mistakes, but how can we use our tongue for positive impact? Verses 3 through 5, talking about how the tongue is so powerful, it can guide ships like a rudder. It can guide horses like the bit in its mouth. Our tongues can guide our bodies, our lives. Um, think of the things that people have spoken into you in your lives. Maybe they told you you would have been a great teacher or a great basketball player or a great whatever, and because they said that, you went and did that. My daughter is so cute, and she's got this great run. I mean, she swings her arms, and she's so teeny, swings her little arms back and forth, um, you know, little bum shaking back and forth as she runs down the road. And I was looking at her run one day, and I was just laughing it's just so cute and she looked back and she saw me she goes what you know and i go gracie you are such a good runner you're a good runner and um she you know she wasn't particularly fast or anything but she was putting her whole heart into that and when i told that to her it just gave her a new identity uh, it was just incredible and after that she started just running um and being very confident and, uh, you know, she got legitimately faster just because I spoke those words of life in her. Um, it was just an incredible moment where you can just see how the effect um, of the words we have is. And most of the time, you don't get to see that type of effect, right? You say those things and people don't just blush and, and respond and, and, and flourish in the moment you say them, right? But that happens in life. So often, people will actually reject those words of kindness or direction that we say because, you know, it's so hard to receive kindness and praise from other people. Oh, no, no, I'm not like that. Oh, no, no, no. You know, people do that. 
but you know then they go home and legitimately um they are uh encouraged inside and their lives can be changed and guided and so how can we speak truth and speak positivity into other people and encourage them um you know in the church there are some like i always say you know it, it's just a societal thing right like there's some people you want to be around and there's other people who want to be around you there's some people who you love being around them because their stories their jokes whatever it is you just really connect with that person and there's other people who are that for you uh, or there's other people who you know you are that person for um, so we always want to be around the person who makes us feel great about ourselves but then think about how can we be that person for someone else how can we turn around and you know reach out and um, speak life into someone else who is that in your life Continuing on with the second half of verse 5 there. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. And so James really focuses on the sinfulness of our tongue. That's why I focus so much on the sermon as a pastor, because there's sinfulness in me, and that will come out. The longer I speak, the more things I say, the more um, sin will come out. Uh, certainly a lot of goodness will come out too, but, uh, you know, as the person preaching or teaching, I don't want any of that sin to come out. Of course, that's an unrealistic goal. Um, there's no way to be perfect, even no matter how hard you try. But the goal there is to minimize it as much as possible because the tongue is so powerful and uh, the sin in our hearts is so great. Just like a spark causes a wildfire. You know, we think about those California wildfires and all those things that burn, you know, thousands of acres. It just started by a little spark. Likewise, the things we say can start a giant blaze. And I look at how people who speak negatively can tear apart lives and communities. You know, just forget about the mistakes we make. The sin, the embrace of sin, the gossip. Um, this is a great time just to stop and talk about gossip. Uh, when we speak positively about wherever we're at, whether it's our church or our family or our job, people are going to want to be there. So as a pastor, thinking specifically about our church, I really want people to speak positively about our church, especially to unbelievers. There are certainly lots of things that are not good that happen in our church. Ways in which leaders have failed or ways in which con congregation members have failed. You know, there's all these different things that happen. But if people speak positively about the positive things that God is doing, other people are going to want to be there. And there's always plenty of things that God is doing to talk about. And when we talk about negative things, whether it's in our church or our families or our job, other people don't want to be there. When we speak negatively in our job, the other employees who might be positive, they don't want to be there. The company suffers. Things, there could be lots of great things happening at that company, but if one employee chooses to focus on the negatives, well, pretty soon others are as well, and pretty soon all the great things that are happening are now uh, being hindered and uh, taking a back seat to the negatives. Uh, the family is the same thing. You know, you call up um, and complain about your siblings or gossip about your parents or just whatever it is, pretty soon nobody wants to be connecting in the family anymore either. And it's the same way uh, with church. And when we think about the mission that God has given us to uh, get together in community ourselves, um, to show grace to each other as we follow the gospel, you know, there's no room for negativity. And that rips people apart. It rips churches apart. And it causes people to uh, latch on to sin rather than the gospel, whether it be in the church or out of the church. Unbelievers, people who might be interested in coming to church won't want to if we focus on the negative things that are happening. Um, and so we need to remember that a small 
spark can start a large blaze. If we go around complaining and misleading people, we that will happen. You know, if we start um, gossiping or or being negative, that will definitely lead people down a negative trail. That spark will turn into a blaze. Likewise, if we go around speaking positively, that will turn into a great thing. If we go around speaking so highly about our God, who is not a cruel master, but a wonderful Savior, if we go around speaking positively about the Lord, other people will want to know Him. If we speak positively about reading the Bible, other people will want to read it. All those things. And so, what are your words going for? What are they producing? Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth? from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Psalms 34:13 is real blunt. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Proverbs 10:19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And it is so important to just keep our mouths shut before we've had a chance to think about things and how contemplate how we follow God with our words. Certainly we all make mistakes, as verse 8 mentions, no human being can tame the tongue. Nobody can do this perfectly. But, on the other hand, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? And how often do we do that? How often do we just pour out vile, terrible filth? And when we do that, we have to ask ourselves, what is in our heart? How is that getting in there? And uh, submit our hearts over to the Lord. Um, it's definitely something that needs to happen all the time. I need to do my best to control my tongue, and I need to ask for forgiveness. That's for sure. That's what my tongue reveals to me. I mean, more so than trying to be perfect. I need to ask Jesus for forgiveness. You know, you need to do your best. But the one thing that is revealed here in this passage to me is that I need Jesus' forgiveness. Sort of like when you read through Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus basically tells you that everything you've ever done is a sin, uh, right? The point is not condemnation. It's about accepting Jesus as our Savior and giving our whole hearts over to him and realizing there's like not a single part in here which does not need the mercy and grace of God. Um, I need the forgiveness of the Lord. I bless God my Father, and then I curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Oh, the sin in our hearts, the sin in my heart. Um, so the good news is that Jesus gives us that forgiveness and we need to be forgiven and then do our very best to speak positively about others. And as a final note on this topic right here, perhaps the most important thing that I could say is that gossip and negativity about others, that is literally satanic. I mean, you don't think it's a big deal. Oh, I just, you know, settle up. Like, what do words matter? Right, James? You know, teaches us here, obviously our words matter. A lot of times we justify it. Um, oh, it's not a big deal. They didn't actually hurt anybody, things like that. But gossip is just straight up from Satan. And uh, here's the deal. Jesus, uh, and the, the, the our judgment basically, we'll start there. Our judgment is envisioned in the Bible as a courtroom with God the Father being the judge, Jesus being our defense attorney, and Satan being the prosecutor. And we're all saved um, because of the defense of Jesus. We um, get his righteousness 
by his death on the cross. And so he is the one who defends us to the Lord. He forgives us our sins and presents us to the judge as clean. Look, this person is clean. I've, you know, through his cross, he's cleansed us, cleansed us of our sin. So when Jesus presents us to the judge, uh, he presents us as clean, mentioning none of our sin because it's all gone because of his cross. Satan, on the other hand, wants us condemned. And so he brings us before God. His name is the accuser in scripture. That's what Satan means, the accuser. And so the accuser brings us to the judge and he doesn't give any of our positives, any of the you know, positive things we've done, that won't escape from his lips. It's all negatives to condemn that person. And what does somebody do who's gossiping? They highlight all the negatives, right? And they, many people are really sly about this too, just to be honest. There are people who are so good at this. You know, people who, you know, play the victim and then, you know, to maintain their own. And there's a lot of ways you can maintain your own, uh, attempt to maintain your own virtue and integrity as you tear another person to shreds. One of them is to play the victim and, you know, just give another situation about how someone has hurt you so bad, I'm so hurt, and then not give all the back story behind it, pre presenting that other person in a terrible light and yourself as a victim. I mean, that happens just all the time, and it's so hard to see through that when the people we love, and because they're definitely going to be the people we love who come to us and do this, right? They're our friends, they're our family, they're whoever it is, and they come to us with these types of stories. We just eat it alive, right? Because we love this person, and they've been hurt, and so we just... But, you know, the truth of the matter is you just always got to think critically about that. One of the things that I always do when people are tearing people other down, when people are cursing, even if it's somebody I love, I say, well, why don't you go tell this to them? And if they say they can't, then I'll, I'll offer to go with them. Well, why don't we go both go do it? We can both go do it. And most of the time, you know, that's biblical. Matthew 18, you go to the person who wronged you, you deal with it there. Um, and I'm just going to be honest, most of the time, uh, people won't want to do this. What they do is they want to vent. They want to express how the hatred in their heart for the person who, you know, didn't give them what they wanted or got in a conflict with them or whatever. And so what they want to do is they want to hide all the reasons why that person did what they did, present themselves as totally blameless in the victim, and just hate on somebody for a while. And then if you say, hey, let's go talk to that person or why don't you go talk to that person they don't really want to do that of course because then in that conversation all of their ugly is going to come out as well and so you know that's that's one of the biggest ways people gossip is just presenting themselves as a victim and, and withholding all of the rational information which would explain why that other person did what they did there are so few people with evil intentions you know there are just so few people who have evil intentions and when someone comes and they're tearing somebody down and talking about how they did all these things and it doesn't make sense and they must be so evil well there's probably a ton of information in there that we're just not getting and so that should make us suspicious. So on the one hand, you know, you kind of want to support and love your friend, love the people, person who's gossiping. And uh, the other part is you do kind of want to challenge them, you know, gently and lovingly to, you know, consider the ways in which um, perhaps uh, that person did not have terrible intentions. Um, also encouraging uh, people to do the biblical uh, deal, which is to go and talk with it about them. Talk to them about it themselves is always a great way to handle gossip. Chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, spiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, 
there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And ask in faith and uh, have faith in that prayer. God will give you wisdom. Here James returns that theme of wisdom. And he talks about how bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is the cause of <laughs> problems, right? Um, and it's unearthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And... Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice, right? It's, it's jealousy and selfish ambition, the cause of so much of our problems. But the wisdom from above is the opposite. It's peaceable, gentle, and reason, and it's impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so when you have people coming, tearing each other down, tearing other people down to you, I mean, it's just so obvious, even if they're doing it in a subtle way where it's hard to discern, the end result, you just have to ask yourself, are, is the end result of this conversation peace? And so here James frames uh, wisdom by its outcome of peace. It's not about divine secrets. It's not about exalting yourself. It's not about special knowledge. Uh, it's not about personal, ex you know, it's not about personal success. Wisdom is about bringing people together with peace. Um, that's great. I just love that. Uh, you know, I when I do job interviews now, I almost exclusively focus on the wisdom that James gives us in this passage right here. Um, the people, you know, in the church that I'm hiring, for the most part, they are teachers. And in the interview, I just basically see what they do with their tongues and ask them questions about their experience. What did you think about this job? What did you think about that job? What did you think about your previous pastor? You know, what did you think about, and it, you know, what people inspire you and what inspires you about them? And you know, when people are positive and speak positively and are wise, you know, that's the kind of people I want in my life. That's the people I want in my church. That's the people I want working for me. And then those who don't, those are the people that you need to guard yourself around because if they're slamming other people to you, they will certainly slam you to other people. And so as I go about life and I talk with people, um, I see how they speak. And if they speak peace, I want them into my life. If they don't, then they're, you know, people to be discipled. And so gently, you know, lovingly calling them out on their negativity, calling them out on their gossip. And so the reason to guard ourselves from people who are speaking negatively to us um, about others is they'll speak negatively to others about us. And we guard ourselves from them because essentially our relationship with them is simply ammunition for them. They will go to someone else and talk about the things that we said, take our words out of context as well. And so that is definitely a time to guard yourself in relationship. And then who are the people that bring peace into our lives? And then who are we um, when we go out? Are we the people who bring peace or the people who cause division?